Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian with your market view. The world's economy is still facing many headwinds and none of them are out of the way yet. In Europe, the energy crisis deepens with Nord Stream 1 gas pipelines closed for maintenance. Now, while countries have been firing up coal plants, importing high levels of LNG gas, questions remain as to whether governments can get through winter without severe rationing. And this, of course, raises even more questions about the European Central Bank's monetary tightening path for the rest of this year. Back in Asia, China's Chengdu extended the lockdown of most of its 21 million residents, while the tech hub of Shenzhen remained under movement controls as the pandemic situation worsens in the country. To help us better read into the recent developments and implications on markets and economies, I'm joined live by Stefan Munir, Chief Investment Officer at Lombard Audier. Hi, Stefan. Good evening. I understand you're in town today, Stefans. How's things? Uh, things are going well. I'm mm. enjoying Singapore. Oh, that's nice. So Stefan, let's start with the questions proper as we are speaking. An energy crisis deepens in Europe with the North, Nord Stream 1 gas pipeline still closed. No doubt that Europe has managed to secure some other supplies like firing up coal plants. But can governments get through winter without severe rationing? Well, you know, it all depends uh, on the weather in the end. Mm. I think this is uh, correct to say that uh, European natural gas prices are a key variable to watch right now, mm. uh, especially, as you said, uh, since the old of Nord Stream 1. And there are also some factors in France where there is corrosion on French nuclear uh, reactors, uh, forcing some of the nuclear plants to remain shut. Mm. Um, overall, if you're asking me the chances that Europe will manage to get through next winter without severe rationing, uh, we think that uh, you know the chances have improved over the past weeks thanks to the LNG imports and also uh, the high level of uh, stocks. We are more than 80% of the inventories have been rebuilt to the to the target levels. Uh, as you were mentioning, there has been some uh, coal plants that have been restarted in Germany, mm. uh, and also the European governments are putting in place policies in order to, I would say, limit uh, uh, you know the the energy consumption. Mm. At the industrial level, we are also seeing energy-saving efforts, mm. and oil firms, for example, are switching to using propane, which is derived from oil, mm. to power their refineries rather than the usual natural gas. Mm. But in the end, as I was saying in the introduction, it will mostly depend on the weather this winter. Mm. If the weather is mild, uh, you know, or if the weather is very cold, uh, you know, the, the type of rationing that Europe uh, could have on energy will vary, maybe mm. 15% in the case of a mild winter, which is not too disturbing, but a lot more if the winter is very cold. Mm. So let's hope that the winter is not as harsh as it can be. Uh, but in the meantime, Europe continued to face a cost of living crisis. With that in mind, where do you see the European Central Bank moving rates? People are expecting 75 basis points uh, later today. What do you think? Well, I, I agree with this uh, forecast because everything that we have mentioned about uh, energy is leading to higher inflation uh, and uh, we don't have the appropriate supplies. Uh, it is eating meaningfully into the real disposable incomes of the household and uh, it's earning growth prospect. Nevertheless, you know, interest rate, mm. although it's not the best tool, 
have to be used to reduce demand. And we do expect that later today, the ECB Governing Council will hike rate by 75 basis points. And mm-hmm. we see the terminal rate for in this cycle for European rate around 1.5%. So there will be further hikes. But we are less, uh, I would say, aggressive than the market consensus, which is more expecting a peak of rate hikes around 2.5%. And Stefan, from the European uh, region, I want to take us to the US. Let's have a look at the US economy as well. Inflation, rate hikes for the Fed. Earlier, you, you told me that the real estate market is slowing down around the world. Supply chain tensions are easing quickly. To what extent will this provide a case for the Fed and major central banks to change course? Well, the U.S. Federal Reserve has lost quite a bit of credibility in regards of managing its inflation objectives. Mm-hmm. And now their number one priority, um, it was actually indicated during the Jackson Hole conference, is to regain this credibility and bring inflation back close to 2%. The red eyes and the quantitative tightening are the only two tools that they, are, uh, that they have at their disposal uh, to, destroy the, uh, to destroy the excess demand and this is in order to combat inflation. And this fight against inflation has already started, and this is the reason why at Lombardier we are carefully looking at economic metrics for signs mm. that a slowdown is starting to have an impact on inflationary pressures. And if we look, for example, at the housing market, mm. we see that it's slowing indeed. For mm. instance, housing stocks have dropped. Uh, on builder sentiment has plunged. And mm. on the demand side, you know, the mortgage rate are very high, 6.1%. And these combined with elevated price of uh, real estate are causing an affordability issue, especially for the first time home buyers. We think that this slowdown in real estate should lead to weaker consumer spending for mm. the rest of this year and pull the broader economy in the same direction. Mm, but in the meantime, uh, Stefan, I want to pose you this burning question. We still see the labor market being very strong and needing more time to adjust to the higher interest rates environment. When will we see a substantial slowdown in the labor market then? You're absolutely right. The labor market is the missing piece for the Fed uh, as uh, you know, labor market needs more time to adjust. Unemployment is always a lagging economic indicator. So besides the U.S. economy, is facing uh, a labor uh, shortages, and there is uh, several reasons for that. Uh, the population is aging. Uh, some people have suffered from long COVID. Some other people are choosing to retire earlier after the COVID episode. And also the Trump administration has significantly reduced the level of immigration. And the last uh, job report that we, get for, that we got for August shows still sign of healthy growth with 315,000 jobs, but a slight uptick in unemployment rate. Now it's at 3.7%. And more importantly, the workforce Mm. participation rate has improved in August. It's Mm. now 62.4%, but it remains below the pre-pandemic level. So one thing which is extremely important is that this trend continue. A continuation of that trend would be a very good sign for the Federal Reserve that Mm. inflation should be on the right track. Mm, But still... Uh, Stefan, Goldman Sachs has revised its forecast for the upcoming rate decisions this year to 75 BPS in September, 50 BPS in November. What do you think about that? What is your peak uh, policy rate expectation for now? First, at Lombardier, we maintain our view that a mild recession in 2023 is the mm. base case. And uh, we think that the Fed will be pausing uh, uh, become, uh, before becoming too disruptive. 
Um, so we also uh, believe in a 75 uh, basis point rate hike. But the next uh, inflation report, which is mm. scheduled for September 13, mm. is extremely important next week in order uh, to, for the Fed to decide if they're going to do 50 or 75 basis uh, points. We see also... Uh, the benchmark rate peaking at 375 or 4% in early 2023, mm. well into restrictive territory. And we think in our mind it's enough to slow the economy into a mild recession. Mm, I see, I see. Uh, if you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Stefan Munir, Chief Investment Officer at Lombard Odier, who is live with us right now. Um, Stefan, let's talk about China. Let's switch gears to look at China. We're seeing fresh lockdowns in Chengdu. The tech hub of Shenzhen remained under strict movement control. So what is your assessment of the zero COVID policy on China's growth for the full year? Yes, zero COVID policy in China has had a severe impact on, on the growth. Mm. We uh, think, I mean, we know that the growth will be only something like 1% in the first half of 2022. However, uh, we expect China's growth to significantly accelerate in the second half of the year. Overall, we have a rather positive outlook on China because despite real estate turmoil, mm. uh, new housing starts are down by 45%. We uh, should start to see the benefits of accommodative monetary and fiscal policy measures mm. that the government is taking. We have some uh, early signs that things are slightly improving. Mm. Manufacturing investment are up by 10% year on year, driven by segments such as electrical machinery or uh, chemical products. And infrastructure investment have increased by 12%, of course, driven by the government's decision to use infrastructure as the main tool to boost growth. Mm. And uh, with that in mind, Stefan, uh, let's turn our attention to look at investment strategies. Lombardo Odia did a study about high net worth individuals in APEC, and it found that people with more than $1 million US dollars of investable funds, they're repositioning towards private assets to shield themselves from market volatility. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. Uh, private assets uh, is not something that you should time the market with. Mm. So if you are interested in, for example, private equity or private debt, you should envisage a, a long-term uh, investment program. It's true that you know when you measure uh, their volatility, it's less than uh, liquid markets, but you need to be uh, uh, you know, able uh, to have a long-term commitment to this asset class, which is not uh, the case for all clients. But mm. then, of course, those type of assets over the long term, because they are less liquid, they very often uh, give you access to uh, uh, growth before the IPO, uh, are delivering uh, better uh, absolute returns. Ah, I see. So meanwhile, for the moment, for the regular men in the street, like people like myself, uh, Stefan, how should we be positioning our portfolios? And some are saying, some market watchers, they were saying that it's now the time to buy the low and go for value stocks. Do you agree with that? I think it's a little bit early. Mm -hmm. In our view, there is, we are in the phase of a slowdown in global activity, and we believe investors should have rather a balanced and prudent approach. If I look at what we do for our own client portfolios mm -hmm. at Lombardier, we currently overweight cash, 
as it can be a useful investment alternative in portfolios when policy rates are, are, are going up. And we can also use uh, this cash at some point down the road to seize uh, opportunities in the market. We are also underweight in fixed income. Mm. We had reduced our, uh, our uh, underweight in government bonds uh, in the summer when the, you know, there was a rally. Mm. Uh, the rally. Mm. And now, uh, after uh, uh, the, the recent rally, we are once again a little bit underweight in fixed income. In equities, we have a neutral exposure. We mm. keep uh, edging strategy on U.S. and European stock indices to help shield portfolios. This uh, allows us to create asymmetric return profile for our clients' portfolios. We want them to participate on the upside, but we want also to shield them on the downside. Mm. And uh, Stefan, I really wanted to pose you this question, but we only have about 30 seconds left. So uh, earlier you told us that investors should be looking out for Chinese and Japanese equities. So very quickly, why is this the case? The reason is that we expect uh, China's official growth to significantly accelerate in the second half of the year, mm. which will be favorable for Chinese company earnings and hence Chinese equities. Their valuation is very cheap and they have the support of the fiscal and monetary policy. Mm. Anything to add on the front of Japanese equities? Uh, Japanese equities uh, is the, also uh, a situation where mm. the monetary policy is very, uh, uh, I would say, uh, accommodative. Uh, mm. They are keeping uh, their policy of uh, zero uh, long-term rates mm. uh, to, to a large extent. And also the yen is very weak, which will favor their exports. Mm, certainly lots of interesting points. Japanese markets, Chinese markets, maybe uh, we could look out for that as well. Thank you very much, Stefan. That was Stefan Munir, Chief Investment Officer at Lombard Audio. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.